Welcome to this episode of Saintly Witnesses, where I talk to the Catholic behind the account. Today, I'm speaking with Dan Amiri, who's going to come on and share some information about um, this fabulous article that he wrote for Where Peter Is called Towards an Inclusive Capitalism, and also share some information about his faith journey. Um, so thank you for coming on and giving us this information today. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah, most definitely. Um, so yeah, I contribute a little bit at where Peter is. And so I'm always fascinated by the other people who contribute to such a, a great online uh, magazine. So definitely want to get some other contributors who have really great opinions on the most important issues at hand of the day. And so I think uh, Daniel's article was really great and the information that they're going to give today about um you know the church's view on capitalism i mean just church's view on economics uh, should be really uh insightful so uh let's get started uh, first question um, are you a cradle catholic revert or a convert to the catholic church and uh share a little bit about your story like how was it in in the beginning middle life and how that leads you to now yeah thank you for that um i always consider myself as having one foot in each world. It's kind of funny because uh, my mom, uh, she was Catholic, but her mom only converted late in life. My dad converted because of my mom. So, um, you know, I grew up Catholic, but we, we don't have in our family a long tradition of, of being Catholic. We don't have those sort of like family quirks and traits and traditions that other cradle Catholics might have. So I do consider myself a cradle Catholic, but um, it wasn't really until later in life in college where I really started to appreciate more uh, the traditions of my faith, the teachings of my faith. I studied theology at the University of Notre Dame. And I think for a lot of people, I, maybe I'm speaking for myself, but I, you know, a lot of people when they go to college or higher education, there's a moment of sort of growing and overcoming some, some, some uh, you know, anxieties. And uh, it was very difficult in freshman and sophomore year, but there was a conversation I had with a priest where he, he told me the story of, you know, the three men and the, the fire in the book of Daniel. And it, it was a story of trust and, you know, handing yourself over to God and his will. And it was just remarkably transformative. It was, it took me from a place of anxiety about what I can do and, and how I fit in. And it, it, turned it on its head and it was a story about God has done everything for me and he protects me and keeps me safe. So that was a remarkable transformative moment. Uh, and it's since then, it's really just been a growth journey um, through the papacies of Benedict and Francis, their teachings. Uh, Francis in particular has really challenged a lot of my assumptions and prejudices and has helped me to appreciate my faith more every day. Yeah, definitely good to hear. And thank you for sharing that information about, um, you know, your faith journey. Um, so you studied Catholicism uh, in university and you've been enriched by, um, you know, modern day popes. What would you say to any, what would you say to anybody who is discerning the Catholic church or who thinks like, hey, I should join the church? Yeah, thanks. I think, you know, I, obviously I'm not a convert, but I think the number one thing I would say to someone who's discerning the Catholic faith is to pray. And, and I don't know, you know, there's a lot of reasons why people might be, you know, they might consider the Catholic faith and it's, you know, it's cultural, it's intellectual, it's emotional, you know, maybe their spouse or partner is Catholic. And so they want to be Catholic too. So these are all reasons why people might consider the Catholic faith. But at the end of the day, the reason why you're Catholic is because God loves you. And 
that that has to be the reason ultimately why you come join the faith because he he loves you he's given himself out for you and i think the most beautiful sign of that in the catholic church is the sacraments through baptism the eucharist where god actually manifests his love through the sacraments so um you know i think i think prayer is essential because you're steeped in that love you're discerning the path forward with god uh, in your heart uh, and so i can't say you know i don't have any practical advice for a convert but i would say the number one thing you need to do is pray. And that's a good piece of advice to give somebody discerning the church prayer and always discerning God's uh, will and prayer is something important. So thank you for sharing that. Um, So let's go over and talk about um, the article that you wrote called um, Towards an Inclusive Capitalism. Um, So within that article, you gave a lot of information about the church's view of economics. Um, So what are some like essential things that the church considers uh, regarding implementing uh, a fair and just economy. Yeah, I, I, you know, there's so much we can say about this in so many different directions, and it's hard to really boil it down. But I think, you know, I, I have four different main uh, topics, I guess you could say. And the most important is the inherent dignity of everyone. Uh, a just economy is an economy where no one is excluded. You know, no one's excluded in the name of an ideology or a economic philosophy. And often we sit in our offices and we construct the perfect economic system where if everyone just played their part, everything would work out just fine. But then in the real world, we realize it never works out that way. People are always excluded. They're always left out. They're they're behind. Um, there's systemic there's issues of systemic racism, for example, that has historically excluded people for generations. And we're still struggling with that today. What, what is equitable? What is just? And so at the root of it, it really is about the inherent dignity of each and every person in an economy. So that's number one. The, the second issue is this solidarity and subsidiarity. So there's a given, there's a play here between subsidiarity, which is really about involving everyone in the project of a just economy. No one can be excluded, but also everyone has a role to play. And then the other flip side of that is solidarity. So when we talk about solidarity, we're we're really about empowering people and working together to solve problems. And if that means empowering local people, then we need to do that. But ultimately it's about uh, that interplay between big projects and local effort and and co-responsibility. So that's number two. Number three, building off of that is, is liberty and co-responsibility. So people ought to be free to make the decisions they feel are best. They need to discern the path forward as God has is leading them. So there's, there's a sort of need for liberty in people's lives to make those decisions for themselves. But they also are co-responsible for each other. Everyone has a role to play and no one can be excluded. That means that everyone needs to consider each other in their decisions. And then finally, the the role of the state, which is a major facet of the church's teaching over the last hundred years, is what what's the role of the state, and how does the state um, protect the welfare of everyone in an economy? And so that was, you know, Rerum Navarum, that was Santissimus Annus. Like we just could go on the list, but uh, that that is a major teaching of the church: is how the state can help secure the conditions for human flourishing. So those are those are the four main things that uh, I would consider as far as uh, economics and the common good. 
And thank you for sharing that. And you've highlighted four really good points uh, to consider uh, when we talk about implementing a just economy. Um, so let's go on to the next part. Um, in your article, you gave some papal wisdom. What have some of the what are some of the things that modern popes have said uh, regarding this matter? Yeah, this is a good question because there's there's so many different ways we can go with this, and so many wonderful things that popes have said. But I think I'm just going to provide maybe a little bit of a personal bent on this and say that for me, the most essential teaching of the modern popes, and I'm thinking specifically of of John Paul II and Benedict and Francis, is that. Um, Economic decisions are moral decisions, and how we behave in the marketplace is fundamentally connected to the kind of culture we want to build. So, you know, for me, I kind of grew up in a conservative mentality, you know, that sort of supply side economics trickle over, you know, spill over. Um, and, and the reality is that the economy is not something that just exists in a vacuum. You know, it's, it's not separate from culture or the moral life. And the reality is the opposite. Uh, a just economy is vital for securing the common good and the moral good of each person. And uh, specifically, I'm thinking of Joseph Pieper and his essays on leisure. And this this resonates with me so so much, and we can talk about it more. But you know, we we talk about like there's this perception out there that you know people can work like two or three jobs and they they make a living that way. And somehow this is a sign of an efficient economy because everyone can everyone's free to choose the jobs that work for them. And, but what's not considered here is that people who are working two or three jobs just to make ends meet don't have the time and the emotional freedom to pray, to, to sit down without all the emotional baggage and, and, and pray with God and rest in his love. And uh, so all the things that are necessary for human flourishing and growth are, they're they're sort of put aside in the name of efficiency and market efficiency and that's that's not acceptable and so you know when we talk about a living wage it's really for me one of the most essential parts of a living wage is that people have the time and the freedom to worship god to love god to rest in his love and pray without all this overwhelming anxiety uh, and and just the the weight the burden of that <laughs> in your psyche so um that's, I think for me, that's really important. Definitely a good uh, a point that you just made about like the, how the demands of uh, capitalism can be like so strenuous. Um, so the next question is, you know, you highlighted some of Pope Francis's, um, you know, wisdom in Fratelli Tutti. Uh, what is his take on economics? And like, how does he want us to consider, um, you know, a Catholic view of how we should relate to capitalism. Yeah, the, the key to understanding Pope Francis is that he really emphasizes the fraternity. Obviously that's Fratelli Tutti, that's what that encyclical was all about, but um, we he really wants us to see our neighbors as brothers and sisters. So there's a deep, deep solidarity that counteracts our tendencies toward selfishness and, and consumerist ideals. You know, we. And again, you know, going back to that trickle down economics, right? So it's, it's suggested that somehow our selfish economic activity will result in growth and then that growth will benefit everyone. But we have to admit the results of this have not been proven out. People have been excluded. Inequality is obscene. You know, the, the difference between in wealth between the, the rich and the poor is, is astronomical. It's, it's at record levels. 
And so when we when we view each other as brothers and sisters and not just ignore them in the name of market efficiency, when we actually look at each other as our brother and sister, we have to rethink the way our economy is built and the structures in our economy and the decisions that we make. Um, we make, whether you're a business owner or you're a consumer or you work at a, at a bank or for a hedge fund, for example, the decisions you make every day have an impact on people around the world. And so the more we understand that aspect of our lives and the more that we in, take that on, uh, discern it in the depths of our hearts with God in prayer, uh, the more that we can build up a just economy in any sort of economic system and capitalism or socialism or what have you, it's really about putting people first and, and being connected with them in solidarity. So I noticed that you wrote um, an article regarding um, private property and mm -hmm. Pope Francis. And so capitalism kind of spears into that a little bit. So what are some, some highlights from that article that you feel are like kind of like connected to this topic that you wrote about in towards an inclusive capitalism? Yeah, private property is a, is a touchy subject here in the United States because it's such an important part of, of, of how conservatives especially think of it. You know, it's private property. I have a right to private property. Don't touch my property. Get your hands off my stuff. <laughs> and so uh, it, it, it's jarring then to read Pope Francis write that there is no inviolable right to private property. And what he means by that is, I mean, it's caused a lot of controversy, as you can imagine. But what he means about that is that more important than our right to private property is the universal destination of goods. So everyone has a right to the goods that will help them flourish in life. So if some people are hoarding them for themselves and denying others what they're due, this is an unjust system. E even if it might make sense, you know, even if these people over here who are hoarding it, it's their private property, it's, it's not, it's not a just system because first and foremost, before private property is the universal destination of goods. Now, the, the important thing to say here is that, as Francis says in his encyclical, private property is the means by which the universal destination of goods is secured, is best secured. So it's one thing to say that these people shouldn't hoard all these goods for themselves, but it's another thing to say that it should be forcibly removed or they should be, um, you know, there should be some uh, violence committed against them. No, it's, it's not like this. These, these people over here who have wealth and have resources have an enormous responsibility to share those goods with others and help build an economic system where this inequality can't exist to the extent that it does. So first and foremost, universal destination of goods. And then as a derivative of that, to best secure that is private property. So that's, it's a challenge, especially to a lot of people, to a lot of conservatives in the United States who, who hear that for the first time. But and upon further reflection, I think you have to see it as a, we have a responsibility and we have a role to play and um, we need to share our wealth with others. And all this information that you've given us regarding economics has been super beneficial. And so thank you for sharing all that information. Um, so my last little fun question uh, that I like to ask is, you know, is who are some saints that you like, or is there one saint that you really admire and how have they influenced you? Yeah, I think I'll pick two today. And the first is uh, St. Francis of Assisi. 
and obviously the Pope Francis connection, but also I, I think it's just a remarkable, he's, he's a remarkable saint. Um, I think in the context of his time, he just, he, he broke out of the status quo. You know, he could have easily been a successful man, um, worked in a shop and he, uh, by accounts, he was an attractive man and, and quite well for him, you know, did well for himself. So I think he would have had a, you know, had a pretty successful life if he had stuck with it. Um, but it wasn't enough for him. You know, he, there was a deep dissatisfaction with how things were and he was uncomfortable with uh, the status quo. Um, and obviously we know the stories of, you know, throwing himself before his father and all that. But uh, I think his remarkable just acceptance of God's love is a re remarkable example for today. And I think we can definitely learn a lot from him. The second saint is the St. Ignatius of Loyola. And again, in the context of his time, you know, the, the, the Reformation and a lot of the anxieties, and there's, there's a lot of confusion about Catholic teaching. Uh, there's a history book I read recently about how, you know, in those times, it was really about like navigating these really arcane rules of the Catholic faith. And, you know, you got to say these prayers in this way to access grace in this way. And it was very mechanical almost. It was like navigating a maze of rules and rubrics. And St. Ignatius just broke through all of that. You know, he, he got to the heart of the matter. And this is where prayer and discernment, they, they seem almost commonplace now, but it was a radical, it was a revolution in, in the 1500s at St. Ignatius. And he attracted so many people to the Jesuit order because of it. And I think there's a lot of analogies we can draw to today where we just place so many rules and rubrics and conditions on the faith. And I think with St. Ignatius in our minds, what we can do is just recall what is essential about the faith and, and go back to that relationship with God in prayer and discernment of spirits that helps us to really make good decisions every day. And we don't have to, you know, pray this or, or we don't have to do these specific things or we don't have to um, navigate this mess of Catholic <laughs> rules and rubrics. We can just go to the, we can go to the source with prayer and discernment. Two good, powerful, you know, household names right there in church history. So thank you for sharing <laughs> that information about St. Francis and uh, Ign Ignatius of Loyola two good saints. Um, well, I've definitely been blessed by your wisdom and uh, knowledge on the topic that you've um, you know, presented for us today. And plus the two saints that you just gave are, are the phenomenal. Um, well, I definitely want to thank you for coming on today and uh, giving us this wisdom. Yeah. Thank you again for inviting me. It was, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, most definitely. And uh, you guys continue to, um, you know, watch Daniel's writings on uh, where Peter is and uh, that's going to conclude this episode of Saintly Witnesses. So you guys can tune in for the next episode.